0: It's said that whoever defines the language controls the conversation, and whoever controls the conversation defines the culture. John Tyson is one of those men who's on a mission to cultivate renewal in the culture of the church and the culture in which you and I live. Today on Brave Men, we're with a man that I uh, admire. I've read his materials, look at his resources, and I'm fired up about what you and I are about to walk into over the next few moments here on Brave Men. Remember, for Tools for Discipling Men, go to cmn.men, Christian Men's Network, cmn.men. And uh, this is going to be a remarkable time, and it's going to stretch me. I know it's going to stretch you today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. John Tyson, New York-based, but you grew up in Adelaide. And yes, yeah. Australian American. <laughs> and and you've got you've got you've you've written a number of books. What brought you to the United States? What is this? Are you a missionary to the US? What is this?
1: well, you know, when I, I grew up in Australia, Adelaide, Australia. Um, when I was I became a Christian when I turned 17 in a Pentecostal youth revival. And it's really hard to explain. I had a vision that God was calling me to America when I was a teenager. And when I was 20, I had an amazing open door. I got a scholarship to study theology in the US. I've lived here for 25 years now. I lived in New York for 17 years. And uh, I do view myself with like a Leslie Newbegin missionary to the West kind of a mentality. I love it. I'm a US citizen. I'm here by choice. Still an Australian citizen, but I I love um, what God's doing and
0: I'm committed to sort of throwing my weight into a work of renewal here. Well, you couldn't have gone to a a more uh, fascinating place in terms of trying to build renewal than New York City. One of the two major world centers of thought, thinking, uh, policy, politics, New York and London. And what drew you to New York City? I moved there in 2005 because... I
1: was, I was in my mid-20s, uh, a, a typical sort of ministry career pathway, youth pastor, college, and youth pastor. And I didn't want to just go and pastor a suburban megachurch. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I have a lot of friends who do that now. But I felt like the world was moving, urbanization was moving, postmodernism was becoming popular, and I wanted to go to a, to a global center. Like Paul, Paul ended up in Rome and loved it. I wanted to go to a place that really needed a fresh expression of the kingdom of god yes there were people faithfully serving new york for decades but when i moved there the evangelical percentage was 2% in manhattan yeah. and we send missionaries to the 1040 window for rates like that so i felt like i loved the city i had a sense of calling there i wanted to go to a place where the gospel was underrepresented and felt like i could make a make a larger difference the reason i have stayed is because I've fallen in love with the people in the city. It's wow. my home. I I went for strategy and mission, and I stayed out of love. So I, I feel like a fish in water when I'm there. These are the people that I love. These are the people I want to fight with.
0: So Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I have great respect for what you do, John, and uh, read your materials, my son and I. We did a, a podcast prior. I wanted to do this because I want to also invite people who are listening right now to our uh, summit where you'll be speaking to the Christian Men's Network, to our leadership. And it is open. If you want to register, it's uh, almost full, but it's cmnsummit.com, cmnsummit.com. We call it our lion's roar. And it's the time the men get together and and really strategize because, because strategy is what produces victory and all strategy comes out of wisdom. And the Bible says to gain wisdom, it doesn't say you're going to just get it dropped on you. Mm. And so gaining wisdom means formation, right? Yep. And it's also what you do with men. And that is, uh, here you are, pastor of a local church, multi-campus style, actually have rebirthed a a church there in uh, Church of the City. And actually the coolest website of any church in America, church.myc. It's a strong URL, yes. (laughs) You can't get much better than that. But out of that, uh, you've also become very focused on, uh, forming men, but I want to ask you something, just a couple of quick, bam, 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 if you don't mind, Okay. a couple of things and uh beautiful resistance. You talked in there about rest and about burnout. Uh, was that something you hit in your own life as a leader working? Was this something you saw in your, in your men, in, in the people around you? you yes. Really I, I have
1: never, I have never burned out, um, As a young leader, um, every conference I went to when I was young had a talk in it called Don't Blow Your Life Out by Working Too Hard and Neglecting Your Family. Every conference Mm. I went to in my early 20s. And so I thought for myself, I'm the biblical definition of a fool if I don't learn from this. So I have uh, always taken rest very seriously. I work very hard, work a lot of hours, super passionate. Um, I have to force myself to take the Sabbath. Like I have to literally stop myself from working. I love what I do so much but I just decided I don't want to be a statistic of burnout. I've got zero judgment for people who do. It's so hard to manage and get life right. I just remember thinking to myself, this is one thing I've got to get right in my life. So always had good boundaries, had very intense seasons where I pushed those boundaries, but wanted to sort of give people a vision of, of life without burnout, living out of overflow rather than scraping off the bottom, being in a rest deficit where you're always chasing getting back to zero rather than thriving and uh, you know, having abundance. So I haven't always done it perfectly, but I have done it consistently.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's uh, it's long obedience. Uh, I think Dallas Willard's didn't he say it? Uh, obedience, long obedience in the same direction. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a really important thing. I want to recommend to everybody beautiful resistance, which is uh, one of the books you've written, one of many uh, prolific author. And and these things, not only, you know, it's one thing to, um, I remember uh, one time I had a guy say about another man that I knew. He says, Yeah, he leaves no good thought unpublished. And uh, but but your stuff's got content, you know. Uh sometimes you can read the first chapter and just go, Okay, I got it. Like who moved my cheese? I don't know what the gotcha. guy 80 yes. million of them. Yes. And I had about a chapter and a half. I got it. Yeah. You know, but it was a great, great title, great theme. But beautiful resistance. Chapter seven, one of the things you put in there was about love must resist hate. Yes. This is really difficult. Yes. Particularly in the culture in which you and I are living, uh, because everything is amplified now. Yes. How does love resist hate? How do we resist hate when hate's trying to kill us?
1: You know, I was uh, meditating on that passage a couple of mornings ago, actually. This is Jesus teaching um, in Luke's gospel, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, Jesus... Talks about being kind to and blessing those and loving those who persecute us and who are our enemies. And he says this, and then you will be sons of the Most High. Mm. And he says, For your father is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Let that phrase sit in your father is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So when we are kind and to the ungrateful and the wicked, I think that is the actual place our faith is manifest. Jesus goes on and he says, if you love those who love you, like what credit is that to you? Even like non-believers do that. So the the, the key is it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God. The Bible says uh, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So it's obviously not something we can generate in ourselves. We can't will ourselves to do it. We can obey, Father, your word says to, so I'm going to make a declaration mm. of this but I'm going to need your power to back up my obedience so it can become my experience, not just my declaration.
0: Yeah, it's John 20 where he says he breathed on the disciples. And then after that, he said, okay, now you're going to have to do something difficult. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have to forgive people. Yes, we forget that. That's so true. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, first he breathed the Holy Spirit on us. This This stuff is, you know, our fallen human frame, man, just we want to lash out. You know, if you get hit, especially as a guy, you know it's that thing about you know uh, when you get hit in the face, turn the other cheek. Yep, dude, that
1: that's, that's hard. not easy. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, especially with especially when you can just sit there kind of anonymously on Twitter and just slam somebody. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it's like it's we're fighting spiritual battles with human tools, mm-hmm. and Paul uh-huh. warns us against doing that. Like, stop getting sucked into the cultural drama. Wow. And have spiritual power, have spiritual authority. It doesn't mean you don't have a strong opinion. It doesn't mean you don't hold your ground or take a stand. It just means you do it in the way that Jesus did it. And sadly, most of Jesus' anger was, well, sadly, the way we express anger is so different than Jesus. Most of Jesus' critique was aimed at the religious, and most of his mercy was shown to the, to the wicked. And for us, most of our mercy is shown to the re- religious, and most of our anger is shown to the wicked. And we're, we're not doing what Jesus taught us to. It's why the church has very little credibility. The early church conquered the world through suffering love. Wow. That's how they took down the Roman empire. They literally, they died better as martyrs. They forgave better. Mm. Uh, And and then over the course of time, that supernatural power, the cross implemented, overcame the mightiest empire in history to that time. And uh, the reason we're not overcoming is because we're not utilizing the weapons of warfare that God's given us.
0: Well, yeah, man, that's a hard thing, though. We're risk avoidance. I mean, that's how we're built. Our brain is designed to keep us alive. Yes. Right? Yes, but your spirit is designed to die. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's fantastic. How do we, how do we deal as uh, as men's leaders, pastors? Uh, there's a read-a-book, God, Human, Animal, Machine by Megan O'Giblin, who's... Mm-hmm. She's a writer with Wired magazine and she's deconstructing her faith. Mm. She's in the middle of it. And so uh, the book she wrote was sort of her search for meaning, which Mm. means her own definition. Mm. How do we deal with deconstructionism?
1: Well, deconstruction in its purest form comes from Derrida and Foucault. So like French French press modern philosophers. I have two thoughts with it. Number one... um, so I'll share what Derrida said about it, which I think is actually really insightful. Um, number one, we've got to realize there's a lot, Jesus was very upset at broken human systems that required being torn down. You go read Matthew 23, his critique to the mm-hmm. Pharisees. brood of vipers, sons of hell, whitewashed tombs. You make twice you make people twice as much a son of hell as you are. I mean, these are to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. I mean, yeah. This is, I mean, they crucified him. It was extraordinarily offensive. Yeah. So there will always be uh, a Satan's strategy to distort God's church. B human pride, unformed ambition, you know, or that brokenness mm. gets into the church and then wrecks the church. It's the flesh mm. in religious systems. So that stuff probably needs to be deconstructed. Um, so I think there's a legitimate form where we question and challenge that which has established itself in the name of God, but is not living up to its its call. Wow. But then there's a secular form of deconstruction, which is is, is sort of like a godless. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attempt to exert the sovereignty of self over everything else. There you go. Here's, here's, what, here's what Derrida said. Derrida said, this is a summary because the language is way too technical. In essence, he said, if you've had a sincere experience of grace, nothing can deconstruct grace. Mm. You've had an authentic encounter with the grace of God in your soul. Deconstruction, as he proposes it, cannot touch it. But he said, the second that grace is embodied in a creed, a community and a religious hierarchy; it is subject to corruption and mm. demands deconstruction to get back to the authentic form of grace. So that's when Paul is saying in Saint Corinthians, "Test yourself, see whether or not Christ is in you." And a lot of what is happening is that these people are realizing they've never actually been truly converted to an authentic encounter of grace, wow. and they have they have participated in the phenomenological aspects of religion. And so to simplify that, it's like you went to the concert and had a great buzz because the vibe was good. Yeah. And so there's a lot of people who have like been in groups and felt loved, and they think that's they're a Christian. There's people who've gone to worship services, had an emotional experience, and think they're Christian. But Christianity is, in essence, Christ in you. And so there's some folks who are deconstructing and realizing they'll never truly converted. they were just experiencing the effects of converted people and institutions. So it's it's a messy it's a messy attitude that requires mercy for those genuinely struggling, courage for those really speaking truth to power, and rebuke for those who have never truly been born again and are bashing down the systems. And that requires, as you said earlier, wisdom.
0: There was never Jesus never invited people. To follow him did he it was usually a command wasn't
1: it well he just says he, he, the only the only thing the only moderating phrase i can think of is he says if anyone wants to follow me that if is big so he puts the conditions down he never yeah. he, 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 i think your point is he never said do it your way or if you want to yeah or you know I mean, it was it was strong it was a strong call just
0: strong call yeah Yeah, and uh, I think of uh, one of my favorite little books that I've carried around and ordered some over the years for years is a a great man who uh, started to use specialties with some other great friends, uh, Ray Johnson and others, uh, Mike Gattinelli, who wrote a book years ago, a little booklet called Messy Spirituality. Yes, yes. And uh, I think it may have been the last thing he wrote before his his, uh, going to heaven. But, but in it, it's like, okay, we, did, we have to be comfortable with the fact that there is messiness to it. And there are things that I just don't get. And I try, you know, we as humans, we want to put everything in a little box, especially guys, Western culture, right? Yep. It goes in a little box. And then postmodern, I don't like that. Don't get it. Don't want it. But if I'm really going to be a, a salt provider in the culture, I need to grab a hold of some of these things. Yeah.
1: Well, you're you're hitting on the key. The key for modernism and postmodernism is control. Mm. And and the the thing about faith and religion, particularly the Christian faith, is it's not an exercise in theology or philosophy. So if it's you studying theology, being in charge of the interpretation, you're doing theology. But you don't so like all good relationships have an element of risk to them. When you get married, I've been married uh, 24 years. I married a, a young, beautiful woman I met my freshman year of college, and I didn't say to her, um, "Look, I need guarantees." <laughs> right. I need guarantees. I look 30 years from now, I need a guarantee. There are no guarantees. There's faith and trust in what you know in the person, and yeah. there is the absolute terror. Of living that out day-to-day through commitment. So a lot of people think they're doing religion, but they're just doing theology
0: or Mm -hmm. philosophy.
1: And so some folks who are deconstructing, some people are desperately trying to enter faith authentically for the first time. Mm. But a lot of folks are literally trying to control God and say, you will only be the kind of God that I can understand. And again, that's an exercise in philosophy, theology, but it's certainly not an exercise in
0: faith. It comes back to the original issue, self-sovereignty. Yes, there's a great phrase that you use and you've taught and I've watched your videos um, because there's a, there's a book called uh, I'm in a doctoral program um, with Leonard Sweet. And one of the one of the books he has read was Rationality by Steven Pinker. And uh, it's it's interesting. It's a huge book and he's extremely well known as yeah. out of Harvard. And uh, but really, as I read it, I realized that his rationality, the center of rationality was he wanted to decide what truth was. Yeah. So rationality for him came out of his definition of truth rather than the fact that truth is a person.
1: Yeah, it's not even just a set of objective uh, moral ideas or philosophical right. uh, theses. It is like, th- that, that's, what, that's where people are getting it wrong. And authentic faith is the wonder and terror of journeying with a God you cannot fully understand or control, which is the mystery of all love. All the love is terror and wonder, and you cannot control it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you guys have been married how long, John? 24 years. 24 years. And where'd you meet your wife? Met her at uh, Toccoa Falls College in Northeast Georgia.
1: Really? Yeah, doing a campus orientation tour. August 1997. As the kids say,
0: the late 1900s. Yeah, or or a few minutes ago. And so... uh, yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, she was in, was that a Bible college?
1: Yes, it's actually a Christian Missionary Alliance school. Oh, really? I think there's six of them. Uh, yeah, Nyack, Crown, Simpson. Uh, there's another one. But anyway, uh, to Force is one of them, yeah. Yeah,
0: the knots seem to tie tight from those schools, so that's good. Yeah. Judy and I, my wife and I met. Um, we've been married 51 years. Oh, wow. Yet, Congrats. Uh, I, I had actually kind of run across her a couple of times. I, you know, I hear guys all the time. And by the way, John Tyson, let me mention this again. John Tyson will be at our uh, Christmas Network at Lions Roar. It's coming up November 3, 4, and 5, cmnsummit.com. Uh, if this is after that time in 2022, it'll, it's the first weekend of November every year in Dallas. And uh, he's just going to come and kind of stretch us and get us, uh, help us think rightly one of the things I hear guys say all the time John is I married my best friend and uh I finally just pushed back on that and uh I I just I was at a conference the other day and, and speaking in front of a lot of people and I said I didn't marry my best friend I married the sexiest woman I'd ever met <laughs> because I was <laughs> not, not looking for best a best friend yep. I was not looking for a best friend yeah I was looking for a woman and yes. but we have become best friends and prayer partners and bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Right. I mean, we're, we're that. And so uh, there's nobody I'd rather hang out with and, and spend time with. And so anyway, so that's, I think it's fantastic 24 years and and really frankly, part of what you and I are dealing with when we're talking about being a man of, of commitment uh, conviction which is you talk a lot about that in your materials and resources a man of um, a man of his word is uh, when you get married Judy and I did a 50th anniversary little podcast and I yes. said maybe why would we stick together she said because we didn't have there was nothing else on the table yeah there was no I, agree. I agree we had no place else to go yeah and not that you know not that there weren't uh, a few moments somebody asked me one time what's your what's your scripture? You know, like, what scripture do you have that's held this together? Dude, I don't know. So, no, I mean, you know what? Uh, I said, okay, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. About that one. So, I think that's kind of how we've we've melded together. You have, uh, John, uh, talking with um, John Tyson, Church of the City, uh, church.nyc, and uh, also formingmen.com. And I'm just just absolutely fired up about what you're doing with forming men uh with christian men's network i just got to tell you we are we are advocates of anybody and everybody who will take the plunge yes. to really spend time helping men find their center that's and, what i
1: love about you guys I, I agree i love that
0: yes yeah so we're i mean we're all about it it's just like it's a kingdom thing yeah so um forming FormingMen.com. forming being becoming a man doesn't happen by accident men are formed and this is something it looks like this is just kind of just exploded out of your life out of your heart uh and out of your intentional father and that book's fantastic by the way intentional uh the intentional father it's a great book it's on amazon uh, i know you can get it other places probably go on your website and so forth but is a great resource. I will tell you the one thing I realized that was starting to go in it read it. It actually takes work to be a dad. Yes, that yeah. is.
1: Correct. Yes, it is the hardest thing I think you'll
0: ever do. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes. It's amazing. But uh I'm looking my at my kids left things.
1: home. I was like, and I love them and I miss them, but I was like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, ah.
1: Man, my <laughs> schedule is <laughs> wide open.
0: My schedule is
1: pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, I need a drink. Yeah. 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 But tell me about this, man. This is, uh, you're doing retreats, uh, Primal Path, which is a, a fantastic resource for fatherhood uh, conferences. Uh, FlorianNin.com, tell me about this, John.
1: So yeah, I I wrote this book called The Intentional Father, and I basically realized all societies had a process for making men, a journey from adolescence into adulthood to channel male energy in a healthy way. We're the only society in recent memory that doesn't have this, and that's why society is absolutely in chaos. So I went back, read all the books about how they used to do this, and then said, you know what, let me design this for my son. So I designed it for my son, Turn it into a course called the Primal Path. Turn it into a book, and it's done—you know, ten times better than anything I've ever could have hoped or dreamed. It's, it's, wow. I think it's met a real need. It's become the book a lot of times that when someone says, "I've just had a son," someone says, "Read this," and I'm, I'm grateful for that. But here's what I noticed: a lot of I was getting so much, e- so many emails from from dads going, "I'm taking my son through this, and I never went through this. Do you have a thing to form men? Like I, I need a backfill." And so it started me asking the question, yeah, how is a man formed? And I got five big ideas. Number one, formation is like a man has to get a vision of becoming like Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, and so ultimately a man has to realize the thing he is, as Paul said, I'm in the pains of childbirth until Christ has formed in you. Then you've got to understand your deformation, what's jacked you up. And you really got to get into that below the surface. Then you've got to have... Counterformation, which is in what ways do I have to apply the Christian tradition to help me? And then you need transformation, which is actually the process of those things working. And at the end, confirmation, which is about choosing the cruciform life, which is choosing the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, the way of self denial, and not the way of the world. And so our, our stuff sort of built on those five pillars. It's like making Jesus the most compelling man, and Jesus sets the standard realizing where you're jacked up figuring out the toolkit to help transform you and then helping you choose the way of the cross so yeah we've started doing these retreats and um the feedback's just been amazing it's just been amazing and look there's been men laboring in this space faithfully for decades yeah we love all that we're building we're building on all of that stuff we love it so if people come to me and say, what do you think about this book? I'm like, I love that book. Yeah. What do you think about this? I think ours is just perhaps a timely, it's a timely version. And I think maybe it's my combination of being living in New York and being, you know, somewhat known as a, I don't know, like a, a thoughtful teacher or more of an intellectual than, than, than I don't know the the not. And so I'm bringing perhaps like a level of- And
0: the other, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah or, or non, I don't know. <laughs> a you know, thoughtful teacher. And so I think it's like the depth at which we're hitting this and the freshness and awareness of changes, gender, sociology, and culture, how to really apply it with biblical truth. It seems to have resonated well. So we're, I, I said to you earlier, we're a tiny little piece of the wall. God's rebuilding the wall. We're a tiny little piece, but we're a potent little piece and we're really enjoying uh, what's happening here. So I'm Wait. working on a book right now on- on masculinity, trying to write um, in light of all of the stuff that's happening in our culture—that's between shame and stereotypes—to become the man God wants you to be. So yeah. we'll
0: see see how it goes. I think it's fantastic. I uh, I'm just all behind it, man. I'm yeah. all for it. It's, it's great. It's uh, because it's hey. Here's the deal: if you change the heart of a father, you change the future of the world. That's so true. And so true. Most ministry to men's been based on information. Mm-hmm. And information can easily become inspiration, but very quickly becomes evaporation. Yeah, yeah. You know, the whole you, the man thing, and you look in the mirror. Uh, and then later that day, you're like, I was the man. Yes. And, and so there has to be a, the incarnation, which, which I look at it as, there has to be a revelation of Christ. Yeah. Incarnation of the spirit, which produces a transformation in lifestyle. In other mm-hmm. words, uh, it's in a book I wrote called uh, "Just a Bartender," which is your hands will always do what's in your heart, mm-hmm. and religion tried to change our hands, yeah, and didn't change our heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it you go back to uh, you go back to Gideon. What was why did Gideon's life actually end in failure? The day he died, it says in, in uh, chapter eight of Judges, uh, verse. Um, 33, it says, the day that Gideon died, Israel turned back to Baal. Gosh. Think about this. The day he died, he lost his kingdom. Mm. This is over 50 years of prosperity coming out of the caves, right? It was it Judges 6? Mm. And it says that this is the whole being a Gideon generation, and you preached it as a youth pastor, right? Yes. And and Gideon tears down the tower, the pole, whatever the Sort of yeah. a anaphro. Paul, or,
1: yeah,
0: Ash, yeah, and so uh, you're you're the theologian. I'm just a guy. I'm a all practitioner, right. so you know this stuff. But he tears down that thing, and we're all like, "Yeah, do that." And he's like 16, 17 years old, and and then they they come out of these caves. They come into prosperity. And the day he died, now watch this. You go back to verse 30, John, and it says Gideon had 70 sons. Let me ask you something. How many of those sons stood up on the day he died and said, this is not who we are? Uh, And what Gideon's failure was, was he didn't disciple his sons. And they didn't know their identity. And if you will, you go back. uh, i just take a little sidebar, a little sidebar. Uh, When when Gideon uh, was first approached by, you know, Theophany, presence of Christ, the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself says, hey, mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, no, you don't know who I am. And he gives the gives the Lord his identity. I'm I'm from the least tribe. Mm-hmm. I'm the least in my family. My family is the least in the tribe. And I'm the least in the family. In other words, I'm the national wimp. Yep. Who told him that, John? Right? How did he know that? Somebody had already formed mm-hmm. that in his mind as a 14, 15, 16-year-old young man. Because you know, 75% of that formation happens between the ages of seven and nine. Yeah. So now here he is formed of who he is, his identity. All behavior follows belief, decisions follow definition. And so Gideon goes back 50 years later, it says he went back. Remember, he, he had all those kings he beat the he defeated yeah. them in the battle. He gets all their earrings and gold and silver and all that. And it says, uh, he goes to his his village where he grew up, and he created an ephod. He created a, a monument to the glory of God in the village where he grew up. Basically, it's going back to your 10th year high school reunion and wanting to go back in a in a gold metal flake Corvette. He goes back to his village, built an ephod, and it says it became a snare for his family. Why? Because he was basically saying, hey, what do you think of me now? in other words John he never got over his father wound yes he never got over the fact that that village called him a wimp and 50 years later he's the king but he never got over it and so he never discipled his sons because he never felt qualified he never got rid of that and not one of those 70 sons stood up and said this mm. is not who we are mm. this is not our identity mm. not one and he lost the kingdom and I know there's you know, we know the stories after that, you know, one time kill the others and then all the things that happen after. That. Bottom line is, if we don't disciple the next generation, we lose everything. What a word. What a word. Come on. So formingmen.com, formingmen.com. Coming to man doesn't happen by accident. Men are formed. And uh, John Tyson, and that's no H in that. No wait, J O N, not Guessing to be confused that. with the chicken baron. Yeah, that's right. That's, the Titan chicken. You're not the billionaire. I'm not the billionaire.
1: <laughs> not here on earth, anyway.
0: Yeah, but you're. Uh, you have a wealth of uh, life in you, John. And I, uh, it's there's a there's an old King James uh, word, if you will, that is, uh, you know, I'm jealous of that for the sake of the kingdom. Mm. And I desire, I have a heart's desire to see uh, men like you, uh, next generation. Uh, I remember I, I sat one day with a guy named Robert Schuler, He was really well-known years ago here in the U.S. He was on television and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we spent the whole afternoon together, and he, he asked me if I had a word for him. And I said, I do. And I said, um, you had ten t- Paul said to, to the Church of Corinth, you have 10,000 instructors, not many fathers. Mm. I said, Dr. Shuler, your generation were instructors. You didn't mm, father us. Mm, mm, mm. See, the key is an instructor gives you what he knows, but a father gives you who he is. Yeah. yeah. And he went in his inimitable fashion goes, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a, and, and in fact, I set up a series of conversations for him with young leaders in which he shared wow. some of his stories in small meetings rather than these big conferences. He'd done 38 years of pastors' conferences. And he said, I'm not sure I taught any of them wow. truly what being a, a father in the faith is. You're right. Yeah. My point is, John, that it's uh I I don't know that we all did it right, but I do believe that men my age are are catching on, getting it, fathering the next generation, empowering men like you, and that and that it's going to increase because we're raising up fathers. And a father wants the next generation to succeed. And I'll just finish one final little illustration. My son, Bryce, was probably seven years old. uh, His brother, eight. And uh, putting him to bed one night. And uh, he laid down, seven or eight years old. And he said, uh, he laid down in his bed and he goes, Dad, think of how good my kids are going to be at basketball. Because I played college basketball and both of them ended up playing college ball. And I said, uh, what do you mean? He said, uh, he said, my kids are going to be really good at basketball. I said, why is that? He said, because think of how much better I am than you are. The dude's like seven. Yes. You know, you got the rim pulled down. Yes. It's not even. Not even playing the real guy. not even. And I'm like, I'm going, dude, let's turn the lights back on. Go back yes. out. Yes. And I'll show you. And then I thought, you know what? Dude, he's right. Mm-hmm. That's my desire. Mm-hmm. I want my kid to be better and I want his kid to be better than that. Mm. That's a heart of our father. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: That, that, that the kingdom of heaven increases that, that acts two seventeen comes alive. That the, that the power of the whole in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Mm. I live in Fort Worth. So we say it, I will pour out my spirit on all y'all in the last days. And we're all shook by everything that's going on, John. But I see guys like you, men like you, and men like the men you're hanging with. And my son, Brandon, and my son, Bryce, and my Mm. son-in-law, Niles, and young pastors and leaders in their 30s and 40s just cranking it. Mm. And I have an amazing, uh, not just hope, I I think it's, I have a great trust Mm. in the next generation. Faith, I think you guys are going to be amazing. Anyway, uh, John Tyson will be, and we could go on. This already is fantastic, John. Uh, thank you for being on Brave Men today.
1: i right, what a joy. Thank you for your wisdom. It's leaking to- out of you. Yeah. Leaking out.
0: It does sort of just ooze yeah. at yes. times. Um, and uh, so you'll be with us at uh, Lion's roar C- cminsummit.com, Christian Men's Network, cminsummit.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out. And I'm looking forward to times uh, in the future that we can hang out. I want to come to you, one of your things, man. I'll hook you up, man. Let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Anyway, talking with John Tyson, Church of the City, uh, it's church.nyc, formingmen.com. And uh, John, thanks for being who you are. And thanks for, uh, you know, uh, Sam Chan's got a great line. He says, your level of leadership will only rise to the level of pain you're willing to endure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I want to thank you for taking the pain of writing, uh, mm. for discipline. Uh, you know, true vision is forged in the discipline to extract yourself from the unnecessary, mm. and you've done that. And that's what focuses intentionality, not intensity. Mm. So thanks for doing that, and thank you to your wife. Yes, Amen. <laughs> I mean, right? She's an amazing
1: woman. She only she knows what it has cost her. For yeah. me to do my ministry,
0: yeah, mm. yeah, that's true. And and thank you for your to your son for letting him be the experiment. Yes, you know, for <laughs> he didn't know, he didn't know.
1: I didn't know at the time. I mean, I was just trying to love him. And I, someone actually, <laughs> I just finished doing the primal path with him, and I was having dinner with like a with a friend of mine, and uh yeah, well known well known Christian leader. And I said, oh, man, I'm so tired. I just finished this thing with my son. And he said, what are you going to do with it? And I was like, I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm done with it. And he said, bro, this is not just for you. This is for a generation. you got to student this. And I'm grateful for his word in my life because otherwise it would just be a small part of my story.
0: So I'm grateful. It's fantastic, man. Anyway, John, it's uh, great spending time with you. And I yeah, know too. that uh, the men uh, all over the world that listen to Brave Men are part of this podcast appreciate you, pray for you, Mm. uh, stand behind you, uh, amplify you, and thank God for your voice, John. God bless you, man. Thanks for being a brave man. No worries, man. What a joy. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at
1: paul at cmn.men.